All right. I got Wednesday night. Baseball game here. We're ready to go. I'm just... Well, what the... Who the hell's... God damn. Hello? Yeah? Yeah, no. Nope. No, I quit that thing. Nope. Yeah, no, no, no. I'm not doing that anymore. No. What do, what do you mean it's my show? It's not my show. I just... I, I agreed to help out, but it's not my show. No. I... No. No, get someone else to do it. What... Get Sal to do it. What do you... What do you, what do you mean he's, he's having a fight with his cousin? He is his cousin. How... Uh, fine. Get, whatever. Just get... Get Jeff to do it. What do you mean? I know he spends a lot of time coming up with nicknames for Drake Maverick that involve piss, but I'm sure he could spare an out. <sighs> fine. Um, Adam. Adam will do it. Adam's filled in for me before. Just have Adam do it. Oh, no, you're right. He's... Yeah, he's spending the week working on secret handshakes with Ricochet. Ah, <sighs> God damn it. All right. I guess, fine. If you're telling me I gotta, I guess we'll get back to it. Fine. Not adjust your dials. The big stick with the man with the big dick energy on the rundown is back here on NXT Revisited. It has been quite an evening, folks. A little peek behind the curtain. This is the second time I'm attempting to record this edition of NXT Revisited. I did it earlier with uh, Ginger. We talked for about an hour. I got a great episode, probably the greatest episode in rundown history. Unfortunately, uh, for some reason, my Skype recorder decided that it was only going to record Ginger's half of the conversation. So mine is lost in the ether forever and ever. So now... What you find folks at home get is a solo episode with Jason. So let's go back and talk about this week's edition of our favorite wrestling show every week offered by the WWE. That would be the NXT program. And we open up this week's edition of NXT with the Undisputed Era making their way out to the ring. And they are wearing these fancy new t-shirts. Uh, gone is the black t-shirt with yellow lettering. Instead, we flipped the script. It is now a yellow t-shirt with black lettering. Actually looks pretty cool. Uh, wouldn't mind finding one of those. Sort of reminded me... Um, of the old school franchise Shane Douglas t-shirts uh, from WCW, for those of you that might remember those. Um, that was what that was the vibe I got. It was cool. I liked it. Uh, usual as usual, the uh, Undisputed Era get a great pop and have their normal fun entrance where they all do their poses, etc. Uh, of, of just fucking unreally huge Adam Cole chant uh, as he begins to start the promo. He tells us all that he told us that the Undisputed Era would be draped in gold. He said that they started at the top of NXT and that they will continue to take what they want, that they are going to remake the WWE Universe in an undisputed image. Uh, they also show 
a new opening for NXT that is all Undisputed Era, and it is fucking glorious. Uh, it's basically the exact same opener you get to NXT. Same theme song, same thing with them mouthing We Are Not Your Kind, the Slipknot song, uh, same graphics. It's just all highlights of Undisputed Era. It's fucking fantastic. Uh, we come back to the ring where they're all sort of laughing, and Kyle O'Reilly says that he threw the video together last night, which I fucking popped for. That was just great stuff. Um Cole then says that they have undisputed power and he wants the North American titles and the tag titles shined up real nice for Kyle, Bobby, and Roddy. He then says that Regal can't touch them and not even Triple H himself can stop them. Uh, That got a big ooh from the Full Sail crowd. Let's be honest, if it's not a WrestleMania or a Saudi Arabia show, you ain't getting Triple H to show up for this shit. So I don't know why they foreshadowed it. It was sort of like... I mean, maybe, maybe, maybe Triple H believes in the product so much that he'll come out and do a match with Undisputed Era, but Adam Cole's jobbing that bitch out, so I wouldn't know that I would want that if I was Adam Cole. Anyway, this brings out the Velveteen Dream in a purple crushed velvet suit, which was fantastic. See, I can't pull that shit off, but I appreciate that someone can, so good on you, Dream. Uh, Dream says that uh, Adam Cole said no one can touch him, but he'd like to touch Adam Cole. Um which got a little bit of a reaction from the crowd. Uh, he says that he's the reason NXT is where it is and that the NXT championship would look real great next to the North American championship. This prompts Roddy Strong to get on the mic. And uh, Roddy says that Dream doesn't even deserve the North American title, much less the heavyweight title. That brings out Matt Riddle, who says that he's already beaten Roddy and Adam Cole. Um Cole is cut off by Riddle. Cole tries to respond and then gets cut off by Riddle, who says that uh, he knows that he's extremely good-looking and that he's a stallion. I laughed my ass off. I, I don't know the... St- I don't know anything about the stallion part of this, but the good-looking part, like I've said on the show before, to me, he's a cross of Jason Siegel and James Franco. So if that does it for you, then sure. Um, the stallion part just popped me. I don't know why that made me laugh so hard. Um, Cole says that... He is jealous because of all the championships that the Undisputed Era have held or do hold, uh, and that Matt Riddle should go back to writing online reviews for Attitude Era wrestlers like, and just says Attitude Era wrestlers. Um, This prompts a Goldberg chant from some of the crowd at Full Sail who are apparently in the know as to what he was talking about. Uh, For those of you unaware, prior to and during the Saudi Arabia Super Showdown, Matt Riddle went to the internet where he was very vocal in his uh, dislike for Goldberg's wrestling. Um, Can't say I disagree with him too much. Uh, This brings out Tyler Breeze. And I don't know if, and and Ginger, when we recorded earlier, uh, that lost episode agreed with me. So you guys, fans at home, go back and watch this and see what you think. But uh, I think when Breeze music comes on and he sounds like there's Matt Riddle's doing like a little shimmy, like a little dance, very subtle, very small, but it, we both saw it. So I don't think we're imagining it, but it was great. I, I laughed so hard for that. Uh, just Matt Riddle continues to just make me entertained every time he's out there. Um, Breeze said he spoke to Mr. Regal and he doesn't care who's undisputed or who's better looking. And by the way, it's him. Um, 
That prompts the crowd to, of course, give us the infamous Tyler's Gorgeous chant, which he soaked in for a moment. Uh, says that he does, doesn't like the, US, the Undisputed Era taking credit for the brand that he built before they were even there, uh, which then brought uh, unprompted the OG chant from the crowd, which I thought was really awesome. I love that. that was a good, good moment for the uh, NXT crowd. To, to do that at that exact spot. Uh, then Tyler Breeze says, we got a six-man tag, player. We would take six of the three of us versus the three of you. Uh, and I guess that's made it official. Uh, talking to Regal in the back, Regal already made a six-man tag before Breeze ever came out. And who needs Regal to come out and make matches anyway when you can just send Prince Pretty out to do it? Uh, we then go to a video recap of Io Shirai versus Shayna Baszler, and I find myself asking the question, didn't we just do the fucking recap show? Oh, no, wait. It's an ad for their Steel Cage match next week. I'm looking forward to that. Um, For some people that don't know, I do tend to read ahead, so I I sort of have an idea where this is going. Um, But I'm looking forward to seeing what those girls do in a Steel Cage. The genius of the sky being involved in a situation where she can do some serious damage from the top of the cage could be a whole lot of fun. And I'm looking forward to seeing how that plays out. Uh, We then go to Raul Mendoza, who makes his way out to the ringside area. And every time I see this guy, and I've said it on the show before, this guy needs a goddamn push. Every time he's out there, the match quality is really good. He, he has a good look. He's charismatic. He, he just, There's nothing this guy doesn't have except, you know, wins. And he got one last time he was out here. But uh, this guy could be a very solid contender for your North American title, your mid-card belt, I think. Uh, I see something there. I don't know why they don't, but they do. They don't, apparently. Uh, Damian Priest makes his debut at NXT, uh, former Punishment Martinez. Interesting entrance. I don't know. It could just be the way I was watching it, but there's this... Basically, it's like this single floodlight that shines down on him, and then it flashes off. And then I think he moves to a different part of the stage, and it flashes again. And then off, and then he moves to another part of the center part of the stage, and then it flashes on, and he does the bow and arrow movement, which uh, Ginger said was something reminiscent of an NX, uh, I'm sorry, a Mortal Kombat character. I'm not familiar. Um, but I, I, it was kind of cool. It was, its name was around flames as he shot the arrow, fake arrow, up into the screen. Yeah, it was different. It, it was interesting. Um, I don't know. Uh, Punishment Martinez, I, I followed a lot of him in Ring of Honor. Uh, he immediately, my first reaction is he looks like he's in much better shape here. He was a little, sort of a big guy, but sort of pudgy. No, I don't say pudgy. Pudgy's not fair, but not not solid. He looks like he's much more solid and, and lean down here, uh, which is a much better look for the character. Uh, hard strikes right off the bat by Damian Priest, but in Priest... Uh, Pretty much no-sells most of Mendoza's offense, and that's not the problem. The problem is the amount of offense Mendoza gets in here. Um, I said earlier, I love Raul Mendoza. I'm a fan of his. But if you're going to put Priest in his debut, you shouldn't be putting him in there with a guy that's going to outshine him. Uh, That was a mistake because Mendoza's the guy I came away from this match impressed with. Uh, He may not, and, and we'll get into the result in a moment, but he may not get the win here. But to me, he got the most offense. He was the most memorable. Um, and I think that took away from Damian Priest. And we've talked about it. I know I've talked about it with Troy on the show before. NXT tends to do this, where they sort of give the enhancement guys a little bit too much. And it's one thing if it's an established guy that they're getting too much offense on. But when it's a guy making his debut, and they did this with Dijak too. I think it was Adrian Jowd. Um This is a big monster guy. This is a character you want to be sort of a dominant force. And... He shouldn't be going in there with a 205 live guy 
and taking uh, th- that guy getting in as much as he did. Uh, Mendoza, sh- this should have been very similar to for those of you that remember the old Baron Corbin matches where he goes out and the crowd's counting how many seconds it takes him to beat him. Uh, that's that's the formula they should have been using with Damian Priest here. Uh, they didn't, unfortunately. Um, there were some nice spots. Basically, Mendoza at the end of the thing goes for a suicide dive, gets caught by Priest, choke slammed onto the apron, which, as Ginger would like me to point out, is the hardest part of the of the ring. Uh, he rolls him in uh, a little bit here and there, gets a, a, cro- a variation on the crossroads, and picks up the win. Not super impressive for a, a big guy character on his debut, but you know, hopefully they can, you know, rebound from this and then give him a better push. Um, but I, I didn't come away super impressed with Mendoza and I'm, just, I'm sorry, um, Damian Priest as an in-ring character. I like the entrance. Um, they need to make him more dominant for me for this thing to work. We then go back where Real is in his office. And he announces the NXT Breakout Tournament. The winner of this tournament is going to get a shot at the title of their choosing. It is an eight-man tournament. The names are as follows. You have Boa in the first round taking on Jordan Miles, the former ACH. And that's an interesting note because they, they, they flash everyone's name and they do the FKA, the formerly known as. So they tell you what their their work names were from previous companies. So we go to Cameron Grimes, uh, the former Trevor Lee, versus Isaiah Swerve Scott, former Shane Strickland. Dexter Loomis, the former Samuel Shaw versus Bronson Reed, the former Jonah Rock. I can't say I'm familiar with his work. Uh, Angel Orangel Garcia, which is the former Garza Jr. versus Joaquin Wilde, the former DJZ. So lots of these guys I'm familiar with. Um, I actually, of course, we had a great conversation between Ginger and myself. Um, It's interesting to me that this is the first time I've seen them sort of choose to highlight that they've changed guys' names. So they took these guys' new names, their NXT names, but they put the the formerly known as. And I get, I'm of two minds on this because I get the notion of the idea that you want to sort of piggyback off of, well, I don't know Isaiah Swerve Scott, but I know I've heard the name Shane Strickland before. And I can go back and look up some of his stuff and get familiar with him. I get that. But to me, it's a little weird to change a guy's name and then remind people that you changed his name. Like, if you're going to do that, just leave him as Shane Strickland. Why change his name if you're going to not basically recreate him from scratch and instead harken people back to who he used to be? It's it's a very interesting strategy. I don't know if it, that, that seems like a Triple H thing, like they make him change their name for some reason. Um, but he wants people to know because he's big on, on playing off their indie history. And there have been so many of these guys they've brought in in recent memory that they haven't changed their names. It seems like they're back on that kick. Uh, with changing everyone's names, and I'm looking at you, Rick Boogs. Um, horrible, horrible name change. Anyway, we go back to another video package featuring the the recently victorious over Bianca Belair, Mia Yim. Uh, she talks about her upbringing, or being a kid in the streets during the L.A. riots. Uh, they show her highlights from the Mae Young Classics and work from her indies. She calls out Shayna Baszler. Uh, she says she's going to protect those who need protection. Uh, talking about how Shayna and the horsewomen have been randomly sort of jumping women uh, in the back. That was a really, really, really nice promo. I thought this did a lot to develop the character of Mia Yim, which I think was sort of lacking. Some backstory for the character is great. I love the setting sort of in a back alley. It sort of fit the the story she was telling. I thought this was a really, really well done uh, video package, and I encourage you all to go back and check this out. Uh, it definitely looks like we talked about it at the time. It looks like Mia 
is setting herself up for a program with Shayna, and I'm there for it. I think that should be fantastic. Uh, we go back to the arena, and Tenara Conchi is out, and so is my dick. Uh, yeah, so fucking hot, this girl. Um, I don't quite get, I still, I think I mentioned it before, I don't quite get the entrance where she comes out with her gi, stops on the ring apron, on the ramp, takes off the gi, then proceeds to go to the ring, but leaves the black belt on, gets in the ring, takes the black belt off, and holds it up like a championship belt. Now, my only real problem here is that none of that shit plays into her character in the ring. Like, she doesn't play the hardcore. Brazilian jiu-jitsu man. They, they put it over in commentary. She does a few jiu-jitsu moves, but they don't really... She, that, that's not really her character. She doesn't really have that gimmick. So why they insist on playing it up so much in her entrance is a little weird. Um, but, you know, whatever. It's not, they're in developmental and they're here to work on it. Zaya Lee is out next. Apparently, they're going to face off. Moro reminds us early on that these two teamed together in the past, and it's a good thing he reminded me because I had no fucking recollection that that had ever happened. Uh, they start the match off by shaking hands, so code of honor adhered to? Question mark. Um, Tenara during this early part is very fucking smiley. Like, constantly smiling. Like, she gets punched in the face, and she's like, oh, it's a good punch. Uh, it's sort of weird. Uh, Tenara had a lot of weirdness in this match. We'll talk about it as we continue. Um, I have a note here that both girls need to work on their facials, and in parentheses, I volunteer. Uh, Kanchi gets mad... <laughs> Kanchi gets mad at a certain point and starts talking trash, and this is when Tenara Kanchi is at her best. Uh, she talks about, um... Uh, Latina girls do it better is fucking great. And then at one point there's like a two count and she sits up and looks at the ref and goes, what? Uh, it's great. Her talking, it very, I'm very reminiscent of Kevin Owens. How he likes to talk shit to his opponents during the match. She does it too, but she's got that little accent. It's sort of like cute and funny at the same time. I just, I really enjoy this presentation. Um, at this point, the match started to be promising and then got really fucking boring because we went into like a two-minute rest hold here. Um, it, it just it, it didn't work for me. Um, it came across very much like a performance center match. Like, hey, these two girls are training. They need some ring time. They need to be out there, work on their characters so they know enough stuff to get them through You know, a passable match. So just throw it that they weren't... This was not a match that you used to establish the character. This was go out and get some work in. Um, Tenara's overselling started to really bother me by the end of this match. Um, there was a lot of sort of just really over flopping around and um, waving around. She looked like sort of one of Bailey's uh, inflatable Bailey buddies at one point. It was just something she needs to rein in a little bit. And I'm sure they'll work with her on it, but it definitely stood out for me here. Uh, Zia Lee wins with a spinning kick. And my only real note on the match from that point on was, meh, eh, it was all right. Um, Street Profits are out next. Well, not out next, but they are. We cut to them in the back where they're hosting a championship edition of Street Talk. Uh, this was sort of great. They start this thing off in the back uh, bragging about how they won the championship, etc. And then we get uh, Montez Ford's crown falls off of his head and Dawkins just loses it. She's like, oh, it's great. It goes on. Then we cut to this. <laughs> this great fucking victory parade which is like 40 fucking people maybe if that uh gathered around a car that's not moving that holds <laughs> the street profits with their production did such a good job trying to make this look like it was like a real championship parade with a ton of people they spaced them out well um but 
every now and then they would catch like a glimpse of, of a wide angle and you could just tell how many people were not there. Um, but they tried. It, and I think the fact that it was, they tried and you could still catch it was sort of endearing in a way. Um, they cut at one point to a dude who looks a lot like Adam from the rundown. Um, I, I know it's not him, but there is a real resemblance there. And I've seen that dude in the front row of NXT before, so he's obviously a regular. I think we've mentioned it before, but this is the first time I saw him close up. But uh, he's in the video if you want to go check it out. Um, at one point, we find out that the Prophets are going to take on the Forgotten Sons next week. Um, so that's something I guess to look forward to, or as Trey likes to call them, off-brand Sons of Anarchy. Um we go back to the arena. Matt Riddle is out, and his fucking bro entrance will never not make me laugh. I, I just love the the strut to the ring. It literally makes me chuckle out loud every single time I see it, and his facial expressions are tremendous on, on his entrances. Uh, we then go to Tyler Breeze making his entrance, and he's back with that same boring black gear and no furry boots that we got to take over, and that shit makes me sad because Tyler Breeze should have furry boots and be colorful. That's my Tyler Breeze. And this is not my Tyler Breeze. Anyway, next, uh, Velveteen Dream makes his entrance in his normal, over-the-top, flamboyant style. Uh, it's, it's sort of some funny interactions where he's trying to do his, like, rolling around on the thing, and you look at Breeze and Riddle, and they're like, hey, what the fuck is this? Okay, cool. I, I guess we're partners now. Yeah, all right. Um, we then go to the Undisputed Era, making their entrance all in full gear, which is a nice touch, because then you don't know who's going to wrestle in the in the six-man match. Uh, very reminiscent to me of the Horsemen, how they used to do stuff like that, where they'd all come out in gear, and, and they wouldn't let you know right into the last second who was actually wrestling the match. Um, so I like that touch as an old-school fan. Uh, and they start revealing it by the guys start taking their shirts off. So first... Um, I believe it's Roddy takes his shirt off first and then Bobby Fish. And then they do a little thing where Kyle and Adam Cole sort of tease each other like back and forth about who it's going to be. Eventually we find out it's Kyle who's the odd man out. Adam Cole's going to be in a match, which is a little bit of a surprise. I sort of figured it would be Kyle uh, wrestling in a match and Adam Cole is the champion just sort of watching all the contenders. Um, but no, so they surprised me a little bit like this. Um, then we cut a wide angle and you can see all three of the faces and Maybe it's standing next to Riddle. I don't know. But Bre Tyler Breeze looks like incredibly pale and a little soft in the middle. And I don't know if it's just from all that time not being used in WWE. But now that he's back in the Florida sunshine and at the Performance Center regularly, hopefully we can get back to a little more uh, reminiscent version of the Tyler Breeze we all remember. The ring work is still there. It's just the looks a little off, but we'll, we'll fix it, I'm sure. Uh, Riddle and Cole start after a little dance about who's going to start. It's eventually the NXT champ and Matt Riddle. Uh, Riddle gets a knee bar in very quickly, but the Undisputed Era jump in, and Cole uses that to take advantage and take control. Uh, they're working him over in the corner, at which point Kyle O'Reilly yells out, put him in a body bag, which has just made me laugh. Um, that's another thing that they do. Uh, the Undisputed Era does. Bobby Fish is great for it when he's at ringside. Just yells out shit during the match. I just think it's great because there's nothing worse than getting your ass kicked by someone who's talking shit to you while they're doing it. And that's a real in real life. Um, so it's nice that they bring that element of it to the ring. Uh, there's one spot where Velveteen Dream goes for a springboard moonsault on Bobby Fish. But Dream comes down knees first right on Fish's fucking head. It looked nasty. Uh, Dream knew it. He pops up like immediately and we get uh, the referee sort of stopping to check on Bobby Fish. If he didn't get concussed in this, I have no idea how, because it looked pretty fucking nasty. Go back and check it out. Uh, at one point, Riddle hits the Broton 
on Cole. Kyle O'Reilly jumps in, sort of distracts the ref, which allows Fish to cheap shot the shit out of Riddle. That was great. And then we sort of go back to another heat spot as Undisputed Era works over Riddle in their corner. I'm not doing play-by-play. These are very sort of uh, truncated notes on some of the higher points in the match. Uh, it wasn't... There was nothing spectacular to this match. It was very much your... You know, three three top heels versus three top faces that they might be sort of interacting with or facing at the next takeover. So we need a main event. So, hey, put all the stars in one six-person tag team match. Um, this is really nothing to write home about in terms of storylines or, or work rate. Um, it was it was certainly good and passable, and, and all these guys are great workers. So, you know, it's a good match to watch, but it's, it's nothing spectacular. Uh, Cole comes off the second turnbuckle and eats a knee strike from Riddle that may have knocked his fucking teeth out. This thing was looked stiff as hell. Uh, then we get to a cluster. At the end, basically, the guys are all fighting. Roddy hits the end of heartache on the Velveteen Dream as everyone else is brawling, and Roddy gets the pin, which I assume is being done to set up a match between Roddy Strong and Velveteen Dream at the next takeover, um, which is a nice thing for Roddy, you know, just go and lose to uh, Matt Riddle in the opener of the last takeover and get a and get a North American title shot out of it. It's a way to fail upwards. Uh, but the one note during the match, um, the, the, Nigel McGuinness was talking about the last takeover and mentions that the Roddy Strong versus Matt Riddle, he says, was the greatest opening contest he's ever seen. Um, I have seen a lot of wrestling over the years and I've seen like back in those WCW days with the cruiserweights, there were some fantastic opening matches. Um, I don't know that I can say it's the greatest ever, but it certainly has a case for the greatest in recent memory. Uh, cause those two did work the shit out of each other. That was uh, unbelievable. Um, but so Roddy Strong gets the win undisputed era celebrates. I think we set up some of our programs going into the next takeover and we get the little sticker and we are out of this week's edition of NXT. Uh, it was a sort of a sneaky good episode. Nothing was like amazing, but everything was fairly solid. Uh, I would definitely say go back and check out the opening promo. My only take with the opening promo here, and, and you guys can go back and watch it and tell me what you think. It came across to me as very WWE-ish. So we open the show with the heel promo. The heels, heels come out and cut their promo. There's, there's multiple heels, so here's one face to interrupt, and here's another face to interrupt, and here's another face, and oh, now we've got a multi-person tag match in our main event. It was very Monday Night Raw formula to me, and I wasn't crazy about that, uh, but in terms of the content these guys pulled off, it was, it was nice, it was entertaining, it kept moving, I enjoyed it. I would say it's definitely worth going back and just taking a look at it, and I'm curious to see what other people think about it if it, if it strikes them as sort of main roster-ish uh, in its presentation. Um, I love that we set up the tournament. I'm looking forward to seeing this eight-man breakout tournament. I think there's going to be some great matches in there. And I love that the uh, eight guys are being showcased against each other. So you know there's not going to be any squashes. There's not there's going to be great matches. They're going to get a chance to really display some of what they can do out there. Uh, it's not going to be them just doing a clean job for, for a more established star. So I think this is definitely a cool way to do it. Um, that was that was definitely good. Um, Mendoza and Damian Priest, I wouldn't waste your time with. Uh, I figure Damian Priest is going to have many more uh, matches to establish his character, and I hope that they're better than this one. The Mia Yim package is nice. I would go check that out. Uh, Tenara Kanchi, I mean, the match isn't great, but you can never go wrong watching Tenara Kanchi, if you know what I'm saying. Uh, the Undisputed, uh, no, sorry, the, the Street Profits Parade is definitely something to go back and check out. And like I said, the six-man tag is good. Uh, there's nothing bad about it. It's just, it, it's sort of not uneventful. Um, but 
I would go check it out if you're looking for some something to entertain you for an hour. Can't go wrong with NXT. Uh, but that's going to do it for this edition of NXT Revisited. I am just about out of time here. Um, I appreciate everybody staying uh, up to date on what's going on in the world of NXT, in the world of the rundown. we got so much stuff going on. We should check out all of our shows. We have our flagship show tomorrow night. Uh, very much looking forward to bringing that to you guys. But uh, until then... I will NXT you next week.